And my baby was born right into my arms and I caught him and I pulled him up onto my chest and I'll just, I'll never, I can't tell the story without crying. It was so beautiful and so, so healing. And it happened so fast. I mean, that was intense, but it was perfect. Hi, I'm Danielle. Welcome to the Birth Journeys podcast. It is my belief that our birth journey has a lasting impact that goes far beyond delivery. It is my hope that through these stories, you would find the insight, tools, and the courage to go on and have your own positive and empowering birth journey. Just as a reminder, any information you hear on this podcast is meant to inform and encourage you on your birth journey and not intended to replace advice from your medical professional. Welcome back to the Birth Journeys podcast. Today we have Diana on from Healing Birth, and I'm so excited to have her here. Hi, Diana. Thanks for Hi. coming on and taking the time. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to hear your stories. I know I have heard them on your podcast, but I'm excited to have you share them here as well. Um, so why don't you just start out by telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I have two sons. They are eight and 10. And I live in Hawaii with my family here. And I am the host of a podcast as well called Healing Birth that has kind of evolved over the years. It's in its fourth season now. And at the beginning, I wanted to sh I wanted to share stories of birth trauma and healing because that's kind of what I needed in order to heal from the story that I'm going to share with you today. And as I've been, you know, evolving my content over the years, I'm really kind of now more interested in sharing a lot of home birth and free birth stories. But really, um, I think that all birth stories are medicine. Um, no matter how the birth unfolds, I think there's so much medicine in every single birth story. So that's what I do professionally now is I share birth stories and I really love it. And yeah, the birth of my kids really was the catalyst to leave my corporate job, change my life and do this new type of work that I'm doing now. Hmm. It's funny how birth can change you. Hey, <laughs> it's wild. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. Ugh. So where do you like to say that your birth journey begins? You know, this is such a good question. And I kind of want to say that it actually starts with my being kind of a younger woman, maybe in my teens. I don't know if you remember that show, uh, what is it called? A Baby Story? Or mm -hmm. do you remember that? Like on TLC? I think so. yeah. Here in the yeah. States, I feel like it was pretty popular. And I kind of feel like my journey actually starts there because I remember being obsessed with that show when I was maybe 10 or 11. And I would watch, you know, the it showed like the end of women's pregnancies and then the birth and i was always so fascinated by it but there was a part in my spirit that also felt like something about what i'm witnessing isn't quite right and i i had no context for you know what i was feeling in my gut and my heart but it really intrigued me and and really my whole life i've been really fascinated with birth and hearing birth stories and listening to how women gave birth way before i became a motherhood so i feel like it kind of starts there. Like the first mm -hmm. time I really just became aware of birth. Um, but then uh, I guess when it became very real for me was when I became pregnant with my first son. Um, and we can talk about that if that makes sense to go into next. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, when you were pregnant with your first son, what type of care did you choose? Um, it wasn't even a question for me that I would uh, choose midwives and have a home birth. It, I, um, the like obstetric model of care just never resonated with me. I don't really see doctors as it is doctors and like doctoring care isn't really part of my lifestyle. So um, me and my partner were just completely aligned that we would have our baby at home. And I will say, I feel so naive now. Like I really... I'm, I understood that there were problems within the maternal health care system and that I think most everybody realizes, you know, what a lot of those problems are. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. But I really did not understand that many of those same problems do carry over into licensed midwifery care. I just thought I'll pick a midwife and I'll have my baby at home and that will be it. And I really didn't understand that um, I would encounter some of the same, perhaps, I don't know, resistance or pathologization that, that I would have had with an MD with a midwife. And that was a huge, a huge eye opener. And you'll hear as the story um, goes on kind of how that played out. Yeah, it is wild to think that, you know, not all midwifery or midwives are created equal. Um, you know, we think of a midwife and, you know, for me, when I hear the word midwife, I think of, you know, a supportive woman, you know, in that space that's going to let you lead and, you know, be pro mother led birth and pro, you know, the, all the, um, you know, choices that moms make during their pregnancies being, you know, able to present those things, but not necessarily force them on you or, you know, it's, you think that, but it is sad that a lot of times that licensure makes them have to push things maybe farther than maybe even they even don't want to, you know what I mean? Like than they'd like, and it's, it's just, it gets sticky sometimes. I think when they're, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like they're, they're answering to somebody else, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they don't just answer to the mom. They have to answer to the state and it can get, it can get hairy for sure. And, you know, I know that there are some licensed midwives that will try to fudge things and, you know, do the best they can to get you to that point. But unfortunately there are some midwives that are kind of like out of the hospital mini OBs <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. really unfortunate that it's you can't just you know open the phone book and pick a midwife you have to really <laughs> make sure that you know it, that you're going to find someone that really aligns with what you what you want and what you desire for birth yes and yeah so how did that all unfold with with what you chose and that journey. Well, it's funny you said that because I think I literally did. I'm not even joking. Just pick out a midwife out of a phone book. Like it was the (laughs) internet, it was the internet, you know, but it was like someone close to me and she was, she was actually quite lovely. And I, and I have, you know, my whole pregnancy was easy and um, uncomplicated and, you know, healthy and normal. And I had no, uh, qualms or issues at all really until the birth happened. Mm. And so, I mean, I don't know if there's, if there's anything else you want to hear about my pregnancy. It was really kind of boring. There isn't really much to say until we get to the birth. No. Yeah. You can go right into the birth story. Okay. So I, I went into labor with my first son at 41 weeks and a couple of days. So, you know, super normal time frame for a first time mom. And, uh, it, the labor kind of started in the afternoon and then intensified as the night went on. And I think I called my doula and midwife over maybe around nine or 10. And it's, it's so, it's such a fuzzy thing to recall a birth as I, as I know, you know, cause time just gets so strange and it's been yeah. 10 years now, but, um, at some point we got the pool out and, um, my my labor pattern was really normal like really typical like contractions started you know kind of slow and steady and then they got way more intense and way closer together and at at some point in the night i kind of just had to be in the bathtub or the birthing tub rather because it was really the only place that i could like cope with how intense the feeling the sensations were and i remember like my husband was there, my doula and my midwife, and people were kind of like getting sleep and shifts. So like one person would be with me, you know, for an hour and then like another person would be with me and support me. And then another person would, one person would sleep. So like they would try to get enough sleep to support me as I labored through the night. Um, and at some point 
at some point my dilation was checked and I was around like eight or nine, I want to say. So I was really close to having my baby. And I've, I've really, I've asked my husband about this and I've debriefed with my doula about this. And like, I really can't find a problem um, in, in this labor, except that sometime, you know, during the next morning around 9 a.m., maybe 10 a.m., I remember my midwife looking at me and saying, you know, Diana, you seem really tired. Do you want to transfer? And I hadn't even considered that. I I was tired. Yes, I had been laboring for like almost 24 hours, but I, I wasn't dying. I knew my baby was fine. Um, I, you know, I could feel him moving around. I, I, I was coping okay. You know, it was hard work, but I really was okay. And the thought hadn't even occurred to me to transfer. But when she said it, and I think, Danielle, this is such a testament to how incredibly sensitive and suggestible a woman who's like open and about to have her baby is like when you're deep in that labor process, you are not using your thinking brain. I I literally remember her just saying, you know, do you want to transfer and going thinking something's wrong and we must need to do that. And I said, Mm -hmm. yes. And it was it was literally that simple. There was no um, like problems with heart tones. There, it, there, it was not me saying I can't do this. It was just a suggestion, and just like that, it's like the whole energy shifted. And I somehow got clothes on and got into the car, and it was you know literally the worst car ride of my entire life, as anyone who's you know deep in labor gets into a car can tell you. Mm-hmm. And. Um, all of a sudden, I also remember like the, 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 the pain went from this is hard, but I can do this to I literally cannot do this. And it was because I think it was because of the complete energy shift of being away from my home and now going to a place I had never been, never met anyone there. Um, and so we went to kind of the closest to us hospital. And what happened next was just that the exact like just the clap this is the classic cascade of interventions really and no one was mean and no one like no one was terrible to me there like i know that every single medical professional that i encountered there was literally just doing their job um to the best of their ability you know at, uh, during that day but i you know i got in and they broke my water gave me an epidural kind of in that sequence and i don't remember really asking for it or telling them to do it but but you know, if you're at the hospital, they're gonna do hospital things. You know, it's not like they're gonna, they're not gonna like give me a shower and rub essential oils on my back. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just sort of like got what they had to offer, which they probably, you know, if you show up there, you're probably there for that. And uh, it was only, it was a very short amount of time after the epidural that, um, you know, a team of people rushed into my room, said the baby's heart tones are not reacting well to this and it's an immediate emergency c-section so wow. you know this was a scenario that i knew about like i had heard about this i even knew the name for it, the cascade mm-hmm. of interventions and it has still happened to me and it man it's taken me so long to even come close to forgiving myself for this um but yeah we had an emergency cesarean and it was hugely traumatic it was probably the most traumatic thing i've ever been through in my life and um I mean, it's surgery while you're awake and your body processes that experience, even if you uh, consciously cannot feel or if you consciously know that you're not going to die, your body processes that as I'm going to die and my baby's going to die because that's the visceral sensation of having a surgery like that. And so um, he was born surgically and you know, we got back to our room and I remember being in a ton of pain. Um, and oh, I should, I should not gloss over this. He was 12 pounds at birth and wow. he was a very big baby. And I had been screened for gestational diabetes. I did not have it. I'm also not a large person. Neither is my husband. And of course, you know, everybody said that, well, obviously this is why you had to have a C-section. You know how they, they always find a reason afterwards for why yeah. you had to have the C-section, of course. But, yeah. you know, I think I think probably most everyone in my life also just accepted that, like, that's what needed to happen in this case. And, you know, I the truth, like, I don't know. I actually hear stories of babies that big being born quite a lot, especially in the yeah. line of work that I'm doing now. And so I know it's possible. And I just don't, I just, like, 
I don't really I don't really cling to that story that his size was the reason for the surgery, especially because there was literally nothing wrong with him or me. His blood sugars were tested again. As you can imagine, they want to test a baby that big at birth. And, and he his blood sugar levels were fine. And he just is a big person. You know, he's 10 now and he's still a big person, but not, you know, a giant. He's just a he's just a big person. So um, I. I, I, that experience completely shattered me. It, it left me going into motherhood, um, you know, this new phase of my life, this incredibly transformational time in my life. It, it left me going into that time, not trusting my body. Um, I had PTSD flashbacks of the surgery quite a bit. I had a great deal of physical pain. Breastfeeding was just so hard. We had every single problem. And I do attribute all of our problems to having a surgical birth. There's lots of um, lots of reasons why surgical births and uh, the you know fluids that you get during the process, the antibiotics that you get um, intravenously. There's all sorts of reasons why that can impact your breastfeeding journey, and it really, really did us. And it was just everything about it was a shattering experience. And it's so sad to say that about the birth of your first precious baby. You know, mm-hmm. children should be welcomed um with joy and power and i would even say some bliss even after you know the difficulties of what labor is for most people and Mm -hmm. that experience just it makes me so so sad that so many women go through this like Mm -hmm. if anyone is listening to this and you you had an experience like that like you are so not alone so many women experience this and i just like i feel you know, 10 years later, I feel, I still feel sadness about it a lot. And I feel sad for all of us that have had an experience like this, especially if it maybe probably wasn't totally necessary. And I also just will say that my son and I have really had to uh, really work on our relationship. And some of that might be just because of the people that we are and not attributable to the birth at all. But I do think that that initial experience of just trauma for both of us um, impacted our bond deeply. And so this is an experience that it wasn't just a bad day. It wasn't just a, well, at least you have a healthy baby now go on with your life. Like this experience impacted our, the rest of our lives thus far. And it's been 10 years. And he also has some health stuff and developmental stuff that I strongly suspect has to do with the way that he was born. I'll never be able to prove it. And no doctor will tell me that, but I strongly suspect that that's the case. So I also just really like to say that because um, the way that we birth, it's not just like, it's not, it's not like planning your wedding. It's not like, oh, I want to have a, a great time. It's, it's not uh, frivolous, I guess is what I'm saying. It's not frivolous to want to plan to have a positive birth experience. It's something that can affect you for years, actually. Yes, yes. Yeah, totally. And I can totally relate to that in in some ways I actually the way that I was born um, I remember my mom telling me my birth story as a little girl and just crying and like I didn't really understand you know I didn't fully understand what it was that she had gone through because I was born through um, emergency cesarean Um, my mom had a prolapsed cord and she Mm -hmm. when I was born um, I had a collapsed lung and I had to be airlifted to a different hospital. And I didn't actually meet my mom till I was a few days old. And um, I remember, it's actually making me gonna wanna cry now. <laughs> but um, like I remember as a little girl, not fully even understanding what all of that meant, but I remember crying, you know, having her tell me that story. And, um, and it's just wild, like that, how, I think that when, when she would tell me that story and I would cry like that, I think it was just like my, I don't, what would you even call it? Like my, my muscle memory or like, you know, just a a memory that I didn't necessarily remember, but it was like, you know, my, my spirit knew it or something. And it was like, even I felt like I, I grieved the way that I was born without even, you know, truly remembering, experiencing it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I truly believe that 
that the way that our children come into the world, like you just said, I totally agree. It has a lasting impact that goes way beyond birth and postpartum, way beyond it. Yeah. And yeah, I think it, it can explain and, and so much. And I think it can be very healing for people to hear that too. If, you know, if they have had a story like that, to be able to hear that and recognize like, oh my gosh, like that actually might make sense to, as to why I feel this way or why I've had this issue or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think it's very powerful that we can, we can share these stories with others and, um, and realize that, that it, it's not just, oh, I had a crappy birth, <laughs> you know, I, I, mom and baby are healthy. <laughs> Woohoo. You know, it's, it is so much more and it goes so much deeper than that. Yeah. And I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share this story because, you know, I, I do believe that there is medicine in sharing our stories. And mm-hmm. I can remember in those early days postpartum, you know, um, looking at all of my birth podcasts, you know, because I had been listening to all these positive births, you know, and beautiful home births to prepare myself for this experience I was going to have. And I, I, I completely switched gears and I started trying to find where the home birth transfer stories, because I need to understand what just happened to me, first of all. And second of all, you know, it was so healing to hear other women's stories because I wasn't blaming those women or judging those women. I had nothing but empathy and compassion for other women that had been through this experience that I had just gone through. But I was judging myself and I was feeling massive guilt and I had no empathy or compassion for myself. But if I could extend it, you know, to other women, I could kind of like give a little bit back. It was easier for me to access that for myself too, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So how did you like go about, I mean, you just shared that you, you were looking for podcasts and, and stuff as a way to kind of process what had happened to you. Like, and I know that you said you're still, you know, carrying that, that now. Um, but in, you know, that first year or so, like, how did you like begin that journey of healing and working through it? I, I really didn't begin anything that first year. That first okay. year was literally just figuring out breastfeeding mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and not not giving up on breastfeeding and figuring out how to be a mom. And my healing was completely pushed to the side. I, I didn't think about my healing at all. Uh, I knew that I had a lot of healing to do, but it was like, I don't even have time for this. How does yeah. any How does any woman do that the first year postpartum? I mean, you're just mm-hmm. trying to like, figure out who you are, you know, like you're a new person. You're not even the same person you were no matter how you give birth. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I try to be careful about how I talk about this because I, I truly believe that healing can come in so many different forms and we don't all heal in the same way. And I want to be sensitive to the fact that, you know, not everybody gets to have a positive birth experience after a cesarean or after a really traumatic one. But if I'm being honest, the truth of my story is that the healing really did start when I became pregnant with my second child, which was not planned, a total surprise. And I thought my life was over, by the way, I completely freaked out and Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was going to do. At the time I lived in a state where it was not legal for midwives to attend VBAC moms at home. And I believe that that has since changed, which is really good. But at the time, I just thought in my head, like, what, I have to go back to that same place again. And knowing what I know now or what I knew then, I'm like, I already know they're going to, you know, treat me more high risk because I had already had a cesarean. So now I'm not only I'm not only going back to the surgery place, but they're going to be even more afraid of my pregnant body because I've already had a surgical birth. And so it just felt like I was in a really (laughs) impossible place for a while. Yeah, I know it is. I mean, I'm a VBAC mom too. So I totally get that. Like, okay, like, where do I go from here? And, and I hate that, you know, the, knowing the statistics of having a vaginal birth after a cesarean, the, the risks of, you know, the big scary thing of uterine rupture, you know, the, the risks are so low, like less than 1%. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I just, I can never wrap my mind around why providers blow that up like it's the end of the world for, you know, a mom who has had a previous cesarean to to try for that vaginal birth. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't understand the fear that's so pushed through that. You know what I mean? Like I do. I, I don't, yeah. I don't get it. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's wild. Did you have any fears knowing that you were going to then be trying for a vaginal birth or did you know by that point that you were totally capable? I definitely did not know that I was totally capable. I had to work through tons of fear, but I also knew that like, there was this, there was this like little whisper in my heart, like this, it was like a whisper from God, like this little whisper in my heart that was saying, Diana, like, this is your shot at something really redemptive and really healing. And if you don't try, like, if you don't at least try, you will, you will miss out on something really deeply important to your life's path. Actually, it felt like this is something in your life that you were meant to encounter and, um, you have to try. So I, I just knew that I had to try. I was like, I, I, and I had all of the fears. I mean, I don't know. It's so hard to even describe what it's like when, you know, you've had, you've only had a baby be cut out of your body and you've not born a baby vaginally. Like it's very hard to describe how weird it is to wrap your mind around the notion that you can give birth. And I I feel like that's also partly a body muscle memory too. You know, there was like this somatic process that started for those of us who did go into labor and then the, the process stopped and it didn't get to complete. And there's something about that, that I think really can be, it really messes with your head when you're a VBAC mom. Like it's very, it's a very challenging mental block. I know you get it. Yeah. It's really hard. So I, I, um, I, I was very afraid. I was totally, you know, a scared human, like all of us, like in a challenging situation. But I will say that like, um, the, the, the smartest thing I did, you know, in those very early months of my pregnancy, you know, when you still have time to sort of figure out what you're going to do and you know, what, what birth is going to look like is I, I really, really leaned on my faith and I really just, uh, turned to God big time and just poured my heart out. And, um, I really feel like, like however you envision the divine or God, whatever word you people feel comfortable with, I feel like that, that divine force is so with pregnant women, because what we are doing when we bring souls onto the planet is such a holy thing. It's such a sacred, holy thing that we, I feel like we have some special access to, I don't know, to, to divine, divine guidance. Um, I mean, obviously we all do at all times, but there's something about that state of pregnancy. I hear it reflected in other women's stories all the time. And I definitely felt it during that time in my life when I was so afraid and, you know, my partner was freaked out. I mean, it was just a really weird time that I could feel, I could just feel God's presence with me and guiding me. And that was what, you know, led me to, you know, made the cho- make the choices that I made during that, that pregnancy that led to um, just the best, most incredible day of my life, hmm. which is the day my second son was born. Aww. So how did you get to that point? What did you, or first I want to ask, did you have like a grid for VBAC or were you one of those women that thought once you have a C-section, it's always a C-section or how did you go about navigating the choice to, to VBAC? Well, I don't trust doctors. So <laughs> I, in my mind, I was like, you know what? I'm sure that the, um, the risk of a repeat surgery is, is worse than the mm-hmm. risk of, you know, trying to have a VBAC. I mean, that just honestly just made intuitive sense to me. So I, I'm not, I was not the kind of decision maker and, and some women are this way. And that's, this is a very valid way to make decisions as well. But like my decision-making was purely intuitive and not like research driven. So I didn't like mm-hmm. read studies or research VBAC, I, it just made sense to me that, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't think having another surgery sounds like a good idea. So, you know, that, that part, that part was easy, I guess. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And, and I think that that's probably a good, a good way to go about it. Cause I think that when you start, you know, looking into, especially main, if you're looking at mainstream stuff, 
I think you're going to be flooded with that fear of the, you know, all the, mm-hmm. the quote risks that come with it. And, um, yeah, I think that's beautiful that you were able to lean into that intuition, intuition and, and go that way. So what did you end up choosing or, or where does your path take you after, you know, knowing you're in a state that does not support VBAC at home mid with the mid- midwife. So what did you choose and, and how did that, that go? So I remembered that I knew someone who had done this. She just like very casually had shared her story. She was a yoga teacher of mine and she had just shared that she had, um, you know, had a cesarean birth with her first and a VBAC at home with her second in the same state where I live. And so I, I, I just like remembered it one day out of the blue and I thought I have to talk to her and find out, find out how she did this. And I also remembered like in that same flash, which I, by the way, I do think was like, like intuitive guidance from God that I had her email address randomly. So I I thought, well, I thought, well, she'll never remember who I am. You know, like it's been years, like I'm no one to her, like she'll never remember who I am. But I emailed her and I was like, hi, you probably don't remember me, but, uh, (laughs) you know, you shared about your birth and I really could use some words of wisdom. And bless this woman's heart i will be grateful to her till the day that i die she not only did she remember me and email me back right away she gave me such great advice and i mean just really like this was like a true moment of like sisterhood support that i just oh i'm so grateful for that woman so she suggested that i join ICANN, which is international cesarean awareness network they have chapters pretty much all over the world i believe they have Facebook groups. Um, if you're on Facebook, uh, they have in-person meetings, they have virtual meetings, and they're really for anyone who is navigating really anything having to do with cesareans. I mean, I think the, the majority of women that join uh, have had a cesarean and want to have a VBAC or have had three or four and they're you know wanting to maybe have a different experience or maybe it's some women that know they need to have a cesarean and they're looking for resources and support about like the best providers in their area. It's, it's truly for anyone who is just dealing with ha- having one or having had a cesarean. And so I joined my local uh, ICANN group and I just asked the group, I was like, hey, this is the situation I'm in. This is the city that I live in. And um, I understand it's not legal for midwives to attend me at home. So what should I do? And what ended up happening was they shared with me this super secret underground (laughs) private list of midwives who, I know, right? Didn't you, I think you did something similar. I think I'm remembering this from your story. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So like I got like the secret list of midwives who didn't advertise that they did this. You know, they, they don't say that they do, but they, they, they do. They attend you at home after a surgical birth. And this time, uh, lessons learned, I was I interviewed them. I was much more, I mean, there actually, there was like two, actually there was like two options. So I I actually didn't do that much interviewing, but I was much more aware this time of, um, you know, that just, I was more aware about the, the issues around licensed midwifery and how that could potentially come up in my, uh, birth or in my, in my pregnancy. So, after I found someone who who was willing to work with me and come to my birth at home, it was like I was able to breathe this huge sigh of relief. And then I would say that's where some of the healing started to come in because, um, you know, I I feel like a lot of women that have been in my situation feel like I have to heal this trauma before I get to the next birth because yes. if I don't, like I'll bring my trauma into my next birth And I actually don't think that's true at all because I think that we all, yeah, thank you. (laughs) I think that we're all carrying around trauma and pain. And I don't think that any of us are healed hundred percent from the, the capital T and little T traumas that we have in our lives. And so I didn't, it's not like I felt an urgency, like I needed to be perfect and, you know, ready and excited to give birth. It's not like that, but I did feel like I do have some work to do. I just, I have some inner work to do here as I approach this baby's birth. You know, I, I was very afraid of having another ginormous baby. Um, I, 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 I didn't really know if I could do it. I just, I knew I had to try. And then I had the, the real work for me became, um, 
how do you deal with your fear? You know, and I think that's so relevant to every pregnant woman, because I think everyone at some point feels fear um, leading up to the birth, because none of us know what's going to happen. Nothing is guaranteed. And we don't know the experience that we're going to have no matter what. And so I remember that part of my pregnancy, just um, so much prayer. And uh, I would write, this is so, this is like the cheesiest part of my story, by the way. And I feel almost Mm -hmm. kind of embarrassed every time I share it. Mm -hmm. But a huge part of what I did was I did um, like a gratitude journal every day. And every single time that I started to feel um, anxious or afraid or think about, you know, something that could go wrong, I sat down and I just wrote down a bunch of things that I was thankful for. And I would force myself to make it Thank you. I, yeah, I would I don't force think myself. That's cheesy at all. <laughs> really? It it yeah. worked. Like I would just force myself to make it to ten. I was like, you have to write down ten right now. And inevitably, Danielle, like by the time I made it to ten, I was no longer in an anxious, fearful state. It's like wow. it just would pull me out of it. And I would just do that every single time. And and I also started to think of fear as like, okay, fear is just like fear fear is just part of this process. Like I can like kind of be like, hi, fear, you're here today. Okay. Um, that's okay. That doesn't mean that I'm broken. I just have some fear. And, and by doing that, even that kind of eradicated the fear a little bit, like, cause I wasn't resisting it. I just sort of made friends with it in a way. Mm. And, you know, I, I also, one thing that was really comforting is that I could really tell, like this baby was just a smaller baby. I could just tell, you know, you know, you carry a 12 pound baby and like, you know, at the time, I just thought, well, everybody feels hugely uncomfortable when they're, you know, 38, 39 weeks pregnant, which is probably true. But I mean, I was big. And and this baby, this my second baby, I could just tell he, he was a smaller size. I really could. And I was keeping kind of a closer eye on it this time than I had the first time. So that gave me some comfort, um, too. And like really... Yeah, it helped. It helped me feel more confident as I got closer and closer to the um, his due date. Hmm. So, if any, what were the differences between your licensed midwife and your super sneaky underground midwife? <laughs> um, you know, I, they actually weren't that different, to be honest with you. Like during the pregnancy, they weren't really that different. I mean, they kind of. Yeah, I mean, they, they weren't that different. I, I will say, like, you had. I feel like I remember from your story, you had you had just a really wonderful, cool midwife, mm-hmm. and mine, like, they were fine. I didn't really love them. I'll just be like, I didn't love them, but they were fine. I'll just say that. But the difference did, the difference showed up in the birth experience. Okay. So the pregnancy, which is kind of the same. I also just have really my pregnancies were just boring and easy, and there was just kind of nothing going on other than being pregnant. So there wasn't really anything for them to do. Um, but th- their differences showed during the birth. Yeah. And that's probably when it matters most. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. Mm. So do you have anything else from that time that you want to share? Or do you want to segue into your birth story? Hmm. I want to share just one moment. Um, okay. and then we can, and then we can go into the birth story because I'll never forget this. And I, I, wow. I, I, I hope that this is very hard to articulate and I hope it comes across as magical as it was. But I remember my like 39 week appointment, you know, at that, at that stage, you sort of see your midwife every week and check in. And I remember, uh, you know, everything was fine. Baby was fine. I was fine. And I remember just kind of like leaving her place. And the minute my foot stepped on the curb, I had like this lightning bolt of, oh, it was like joy, intuition, and bliss shoot through my body and an instant knowing that, wow, and I'm going to cry saying this, it was like an instant knowing that I was about to birth my baby and that it was going to be a good experience. And it was truly like, like straight from God. And I don't even know why I got that moment of grace, you know, cause like it was just a moment and it went away and, you know, I like went home and I, you know, uh, was 39 weeks pregnant and dealt with my day. But like, I had the, just this one moment where it was like, I knew everything was going to be fine. And mm-hmm. not only was it going to be fine, it was going to be beautiful. And I'm just so grateful for that moment. And I'll never forget it. It was unlike, 
it was unlike anything before or since. Wow. What a blessing to have that, especially, you know, right before you're about to go into the experience. It was such a blessing. I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So then when did the experience begin? Um, the very next week, I actually gave birth on my due date, which is crazy. (laughs) Like right on my due date. He was right on time. So right at 40 weeks, I, um, woke up in the middle of the night and this is interesting too. I've heard other women talk about this and I don't know, uh, your sequence of births was kind of different from mine. So I don't know if you experienced anything like this, but I've heard women say that when they, have had like a natural labor or VBAC after a cesarean that their second birth like starts where their last birth physiologically ended. Does that make sense? So like, it's like if you're, if you were laboring and you had a certain, um, contraction pattern and then like your contraction pattern was stopped because you went in for surgery that the second time that you have a baby, your body seems to like pick up where it left off. Um, if that makes sense. And that's, that's how labor started for me. It was really interesting. There was no slow buildup, slow, gentle buildup. It was, I was like jolted out of bed at 3am in the morning, right at 40 weeks with like hard back-to-back contractions. And it really was like, my body just picked right back up where it had stopped two and a half years ago, which is so amazing. Our bodies are incredible. And I remember getting up and I immediately knew it was labor. You know, I was 40 weeks pregnant and I had, you know, done this before. So I I knew what it felt like. And I remember getting up by myself and wanting to let my son and husband sleep as long as they could. So I sort of like drew drew myself a bath because I thought that, you know, last time the water felt so good. And this time it was totally different. I hated the bath. I felt Mm -hmm. too hot and like confined. And I, um, I was only up for myself. uh, uh, I'm sorry, up with myself for about one hour before I just woke Brad up and I woke up well, no, I didn't wake up my, my two-year-old, but I woke up my husband and I said, uh, I'm in labor. We're going to have to call like the doula midwife pretty soon because this is happening fast. I could tell it was happening really fast. And so that was around 4 a.m. We called, we called them around 5 a.m. And the doula and midwife came around 5.30 or 6 a.m. And I was laboring. It was really intense. I I remember just kind of like being on my hands and knees on my floor and then um, kind of like hanging onto my bed on my knees and then um, just kind of like crawling around like an animal, like trying to find, you know, because the waters did nothing for me this time. I remember just sort of like, yeah, just like crawling around like an animal in my bathrobe and laboring at home. And I finally, I don't even remember how he ended up in this position, but I ended up kind of sitting upright on my bed um, with kind of my legs open, but like sitting upright, which is such a weird position to give birth in. But I just remember no one put me in that position. I just did it myself. And it was only a couple of hours. It was 8.30 in the morning. I I, I got myself into that position. I, I remember screaming at my doula or someone, someone in the room. I said, get Brad right now because I could just sense my baby was about to be born and I really needed him there. Cause I think he, I think at that moment he was with our two-year-old son. And so somebody, somebody got him in the room and I remember he sat behind me and sort of put his arms around my chest and my baby was born right into my arms and I caught him and I pulled him up onto my chest and I'll just, I'll never, I can't tell the story without crying. It was so beautiful and so, so healing. And it happened so fast. I mean, that was what, like six, six hours seven hours, something like that. I can't do math right now. Uh, yeah, it was fast and intense, but it was perfect. Mm. And he was so, um, it was amazing to see him like so alert right away because my first son was, you know, high on drugs, honestly, when I met him, you know, just really sleepy and, uh, just not fully in his body. And, you know, my second son, I remember him just being wide awake and alert and looking right at me and just so present in his body. And it was so healing to, it was so healing to see that and witness that and to feel in that moment that, um, 
that there was nothing wrong with me and that my body was not broken and that um i that i could do it it was incredible it was so beautiful it was honestly the, mo the like the best experience of my entire life I can't believe I didn't think to bring tissues to this. I knew I was going to cry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. When, when it, you know, when we have that first, ex or not, maybe not even everyone has a, their first experience of a C-section and then experiencing a vaginal birth, but yeah, to, to have that triumphant moment of like, I'm not broken, you know, I did oh, it. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah there's nothing that can really describe it <laughs> it's yeah incredible. and i finally i finally got to experience that you know that like ecstasy bliss that people mm. describe after a natural birth like feeling like you're high like on all of those that hormonal yeah. cocktail like i actually got to experience that i mean i mean i there's this picture of me that someone took right after he was born and he's on my chest and he's like all slippery and I just look like I've had like 10 orgasms. Like I'm glowing. Like my, my face is literally glowing. Yeah. You would not think that I had just been up all night, you know, laboring. I, I look like, like a complete goddess, actually. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I, it was so transformative to get to experience that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wild. And I love that. I think, I think that's, that's it's such a beautiful thing that God created us to have that when we go through all the pain of labor and then that baby comes out and that, that rush of hormones, it's insane. Like yeah. there's, there's nothing like it. And it's such a gift, you know, it's such oh, a yeah. gift and it, it makes me so sad that so many women, you know, miss out on it. And uh, it, yeah, it, it's sad. Yeah. And, you know, starting your mothering journey, feeling that innate power is, is very, it's very important to have that yeah. because when you start your mothering journey, feeling broken and saved by the medical system and, um, like you can't trust your instincts, you can't trust your own body, as opposed to starting your mothering journey, feeling like I did this, I actually did, like, I just grew and birthed my own baby, mm -hmm. suddenly all of the choices that you have to make, you know, for the rest of your child's life, by the way, it doesn't just stop in babyhood, but like you, you come into motherhood with the understanding that you can trust yourself as yes. your own best guide for this child. And that's mm -hmm. what, that's the other part that's the saddest for me is that like anyone who, I don't know, it, it, like if, it, if you, if you've had a traumatic birth, it just, I feel like we, that's the, that's the secondary part that gets kind of robbed for, from us is this, this innate ability to trust ourselves just isn't there in the same way as when you get to experience this cocktail of triumphant hormones and also just the knowledge that you did, like you did something really hard. I think that birth is hard for a reason. I think it's this initiation that shows us how incredibly strong and capable we are. And when we don't get to really experience it, we do miss out on something. We just do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Wow. So how was your postpartum time now that you had this amazing, empowering experience? What was that like? It was really good. I just, I nurse breastfeeding was easy. I stayed in bed a lot and rested with him as much as I could. You know, I had a two, I had a two year old, so that was a little challenging, but, um, it was beautiful. It was, I, I look back on it now, wishing that I could relive that all over again. It was just so beautiful to have this sweet little, little baby that just, we just breastfed and cuddled. And one thing that was interesting emotionally that I really wasn't prepared for was I remember having this like weird shock of grief. I don't know if you've experienced this where I, I realized, oh, my first baby is not like, it's not just me and him anymore. You know, like it's me and him and another being. And of course my love for my second son didn't replace the love that I had for my first son. But I do remember having this like day 
where I like cried all day and it was probably postpartum day three now that I think of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I do remember crying all day being like, oh my God, I have two kids. It's not just me and my firstborn son anymore. And and that was weird. I just, I, I don't know that I've heard other moms talk about that, but I remember very distinctly having a day of grief about that. But other than that, it was so much easier in every single way. I healed so much faster, so much easier. Um, I slept better. It was just, it was great. It was just like normal. It was just, it was great, honestly. Yeah, blissful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it, it can be that way, hey? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So how did that birth, you said that, that like the healing from your first experience really started during your, your pregnancy. Um, so how do you, do you feel like you ever had like a full circle moment or do you feel like it's something that you've just kind of carried all these years? Like, I know that obviously it's probably normal to kind of always look back with a sadness or a grief. Um, and that's probably never going to go away. But as far as like the initial like healing beginning and I mean, I probably never completes, but did you have like a moment where you felt like you came to, I guess, to terms with your first, first birth and how it all went? Yeah. I would say that having this, this second experience completely eradicated my sort of feelings of guilt and like not trusting myself. And that made the way for me to, um, process what happened the first time a little bit differently. And I, I think about it, you're right that I do, it still makes me sad when I think about it, that that's how I met my first son. But I can see now in retrospect that uh, there, well, the conclusion that I've come to, and this has just been really helpful for me, and I don't know that everyone would um, feel this way about their own birth journey, but I feel like there are probably reasons bigger than I will ever understand about why that birth happened that way. And I, I don't, I don't think of myself as a victim of the medical system. I don't even really think of the medical system as like a vil like the villains in the story. I don't, I don't conceptualize it that way. I feel like there's something bigger going on with our experience and our story. And I might, I just might not be meant to fully understand it you know, uh, cognitively. And, and I'm okay with that. What, what is important to me now is, um, you know, supporting our bond and supporting my oldest son's health as best as I can and, you know, doing the best for him that I can do now. And I, I also believe that anything can be healed. And if, you know, there are parts of him that are still, I don't know that we're hurt by that, that experience in the same way that I was, I know that healing is available to all of us. Mm. And so I, yeah, I don't know if I really answered your question, but that's where I, that's where I land with it today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I know in my own journey, you know, how I shared about my, how I was born. Um, I did have some healing happen in my life, you know, um, through the realization that because of the way that I was born, I was carrying some certain things and, and it was only by the grace of God that I even had that realization um, and was able to tie it back to that. It was a very vivid, I guess, vision that, that God gave me and, and showed me. Um, and I never knew that I did. I wasn't even into birth back when he did this in my life, but um, I did, I was able to experience healing and it completely radically changed my life and that healing is totally available to to anyone you know they are able to to go through that and um and maybe and maybe people don't even realize that we can carry carry the trauma in our bodies for years after we were born um but i think that 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 story that you shared with your son is is very powerful and can bring awareness to the fact that that is true and that's available and you're absolutely right that you know we can heal from those things and 
I think it's something that I don't know if I've ever really heard talked about too much, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? So, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think that's just a testament to the work that you're doing now, um, you know, with your podcast and, and all the things that you do in the birth sphere um, to be able to, you know, you, you said, I don't really, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever know why, you know, we had to have that birth experience, but I'm sure that what you're doing now is so tied to that experience. And yes, how for sure. Now you're able to, you're like, you're able to speak into the world of birth in such a beautiful way because of it. Well, thank you for that, that Danielle. Sense. <laughs> thank you. I, I appreciate that. You know, I, I will say had I had, I have a real passion for being of service to other women. I just, I I really feel like I'm on the planet to be of service to my sisters, honestly. And Mm -hmm. had I had a perfectly easy home birth with my first baby, there's no way that I would have the depth of compassion. I mean, deep, deep, deep compassion for, I mean, for any woman that has gone through any difficult birth that I do have now, I mean, I can just feel so deeply into the pain of that. And that has given me a level of empathy that I'm really grateful for. I even would say that, you know, if I had had just two straightforward, easy home births, I might even be kind of arrogant. I might even be kind of like, well, duh, have your baby at home and like have that attitude towards everyone. And I wouldn't understand, you know, that there's more to it than that. And so I really do appreciate your kind words. And I, I, I hope that anyone listening to my story knows that or takes away from the story that, you know, if you're suffering from a birth experience that left you feeling pain, that you're, you're not alone and that it's not your fault. It's really not your fault. Do not blame yourself. And that healing is available. And, and, and also if you're, if this is something that you want, that another birth, can be a completely different experience and it's not going to be the same birth that you had that first time it's going to be a different experience if that's something that you want and i hope that that can give hope to other people that have been through the same thing Mm -hmm. yeah thank you for sharing that because i i totally believe and agree with that as well and i it makes me so sad i've heard of some women who have a horrible terrible traumatic first birth and then they just never dare to have another child because they they don't want to have to go through it again and that doesn't have to be the case you know Mm -hmm. um you and i are and many many other women are testament to that for sure (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh that's beautiful i have one question um that just popped into my head um obviously we know that when it comes to, you know, midwives and them not being all created equal. Um, and it's important to really, you know, make sure that you and your midwife align with, you know, your values and whatever. Um, in hindsight, looking back to your first um, pregnancy, did you feel like you had any red flags with that first midwife that you maybe overlooked or maybe didn't know better? Or, or did you seem like everything was perfectly smooth and the the transfer was just a complete total out of the blue freak thing wow that's a great question um you know i i i need to think about this actually before i give you a a a coherent answer i i'm not sure that i can't think of any red flags but at the same time I don't think I was very sophisticated in that time of my thinking about births and and thinking about prenatal care. I just, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have the same sophistication, I guess is the word that's coming to me that I have now. Like now I would ask any midwife that I considered working with, I would ask them what they think about free birth. That would probably be the first question I would ask because I feel like that tells me everything that I need to know in terms of your level of fear around birth. Um, but at the time, I just don't think I knew enough to even notice any red flags. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's probably pretty common with, you know, with us as first time moms, a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, did you have anything else from either of your experiences that you wanted to share or do you feel like you covered everything you wanted to cover? 
I think I covered it. Thank you so much for allowing me to share my story, Danielle. I really, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful that you took the time to come on and share. <laughs> um, so I, my last question is always if you could give a piece of advice to a first-time mom um, who's exploring her options in birth, what's one thing that you would want her to know, like a, a must, must know when you're going into this experience, this journey? Oh, amazing question. I love this question so much. My advice to a first-time mom would be to um, pay attention to pay attention to your intuition above all things, above Ooh. studies, above data. But I'm on, I want to refine intuition by saying not just your intuition, but how you feel in your body. Um, if you have a care provider that you feel your body tense up around, or um, any other physical sensation in your body that you would consider to be not um, positive or open or receptive to, please, please, please pay attention to that. And I would expand that to say, if you walk into a medical facility, pay attention to how your body feels when you walk into those places or your midwife's office or whatever it is, like pay attention to your body in space around people because um, I think that it's important that anyone that you give birth with, you you need to feel like, a truly you need to feel like they could be in the room with you while you are pooping, um, maybe even slightly more intimate than that. I mean, it really, uh, someone put it, someone put it recently that anyone who attends your birth, you should be comfortable taking a psychedelic, you know, journey with like magic mushrooms or something, which I actually kind of like <laughs> that analogy because... I mean, I wouldn't do that with probably anyone but like my husband. And so, yeah, my advice would be not to take psychedelics, but my advice would be <laughs> to really pay attention to how your body uh, feels around other people when you're thinking about who you want to attend your birth. And please let that guide you because I, I swear a, a woman's intuition during pregnancy and birth is never, ever wrong. I've never heard it be wrong. I've only heard it be like ignored and then regretted later. That's, mm -hmm. that's the, it's never been wrong. And so really trust yourself. And if you trust yourself during this part of your journey, it's going to be easier uh, to trust yourself when you have kids on the, on the, you know, on earth side, and then you're making decisions for your babies and your children and um, practice that as a muscle now, and it will serve you really well. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I love that. That was a really really great piece of advice beautiful <laughs> thank you love it I don't I don't know I've heard a lot of people you know sh share that you know that very important advice is of making sure you're comfortable with your provider and but that tuning into your body and how do you feel around this person and are you tensing up wow like how do you feel when you walk into those appointments that that was like mind-blowing <laughs> I love it. Thank you for sharing well, thank you. that. Thank you. So where can people find you and your resources? Yes. Well, I, as you mentioned, I host a podcast as well. It's called Healing Birth and lovely Danielle has been a guest on mm -hmm. my show. We shared all of your birth stories and I absolutely loved getting to share them. And so you can find my podcast on all podcast platforms. Just search for healing birth and actually i just found out that someone someone else started a podcast called healing birth in new oh, zealand no. <laughs> so um but she's in new zealand so it's not the new zealand one it's like you'll see it's like a picture of my face so um healing birth also on all uh social media platforms we are at healing birth and that's just all one word and i would love for I would love to connect to any of your listeners there. And if you, um, if you love birth stories and if you have a trauma story yourself and you want to, you know, hear how other women have navigated birth after cesarean or birth after birth trauma, I have a ton of those stories, mm -hmm. um, in, yeah. in my podcast, I'm on like year four now. So like you can search all of the archives and I guarantee you, you will find a story like yours and hopefully, um, that will be story medicine for you and a way for you to find peace and healing in the same way that when I was postpartum and I was looking for those stories. Um, I, I hope that my show is paying that forward in a similar way. So healing birth everywhere. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your podcast was a valuable resource to me when I was 
preparing for my first home birth. Um, I think I had, that's when I had found you was when I was last pregnant. So I think I've been listening to for about two years now. So, but I think oh, I've beautiful. listened to almost all of them. <laughs> so. Oh, I'm so honored. Thank you, Danielle. Yeah. That's amazing. And I loved, I loved sharing my stories on your podcast as well. That was my first time being a guest on a podcast and it was a really cool experience. And yeah, you did so well. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, but anyways, so, um, yeah, we can wrap things up. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your stories and your wisdom. And yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for the work that you do and the things that you've been through to lead you to this work and that you're able to, you know, turn beauty from ashes. It's such a blessing to, to so many women in this world. Oh, thank you, Danielle. It's such a pleasure to connect with you again. And thank you as well for your work. I feel like the more we share our birth stories and the more people are doing it and the more birth podcasts there are, the better. So thank you for being part of this, you know, whole movement as well. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you were encouraged in some way through this story. As a reminder, please rate and review our podcast and you can connect with us on social media at birth journeys podcast for more information or to share your own story please visit birthjourneyspodcast.com and fill out the brief questionnaire see you next time